Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- I want a bachelor. Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And today, instead of this week in Bachelor Nation, we have something very special in store. With us today for an in-depth conversation about the state of the game, everything that's been happening in Fantasy Suites, everything that's just happening around the nation, we have Webby-nominated podcasters, journalists, and co-hosts of the Love to See It podcast, Emma Gray and Claire Fallon. Thank you guys very much for joining us. Wow. In- incredible wow. intro. Um, can I hire you to be my personal PR person? Like, yeah. <laughs> right now. Thank you for having us. Always an honor. I mean, the nation has been going wild. So you two are the only ones we would want to talk to about 
everything. Yes, things are afoot in the nation. <laughs> well, let's let's just jump right in. <laughs> yeah. There is some wild shit happening today. In addition to the news that broke that the Queen of England has died at the age of 96, we also get news that Eric Schwer did a little blackfacing in high school and the pictures have now emerged. So I don't even want to get into the moralistic judgments of this. I want to talk about what does this mean for the show? This type of thing seems to happen virtually every season. It's now an exception to the rule if there's a season that goes by without some kind of problematic shit surfacing in somebody's background. What can the producers do about this? Is there anything that they can do? Stop casting so many white men from conservative towns. Like, I... I, It's a... I mean, but then you run into the the problem. I mean, Nate still had something emerge from his past that caused a bigger curveball. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) That specifically, yes, that could be alleviated. I I don't know if there's anything they can do to stop everyone finding out at least once a season that one of the frontrunners is a total dirtbag. I think that it's very hard to suss out all of the ways that an American male might be a total dirtbag these days. Right. They'd have to take over their dating profiles, gather all of their yearbooks. I mean, is this the next frontier for Bachelor casting? They need to step up their game and get all the yearbooks? I do think they're going to have to start requisitioning yearbooks. I do too. I think that's a part of this because I know after Kirk mm -hmm. Connell's uh, problematic photos surface in Bachelor Season 25, they did hire someone who now goes through incoming players' social media with them and says, you need Mm -hmm. to delete this, you need to remove this, you got to get rid of this. Yes, I can't tell you how I have that information, but I have that information. It makes sense. I mean, we do know that contestants do a fair amount of scrubbing. It makes sense that they would have someone help them do that. I I know we'd also seen some Reddit posts emerge of things that had been deleted from Eric's social. Um, He had unfollowed Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah, the Trump White House. And also... um, Two kings. Yeah. Wow. Just a beautiful, a beautiful pairing right there. Uh, And also untagged himself in a photo in which he was surrounded by other white men, many of whom were wearing MAGA hats from 2016. So clearly he had just scrubbing your social media at this point. I'm glad to know that they saw all those red flags and they were like, here's what we got to do, Eric. We're going to sit down and we're going to delete those. That should take care of everything. It's like, no, that was maybe your red flag, but something else might be out there that would come out. But I mean, that's the nature of the show. I mean, as we talk on our show at length about this, they don't actually care about those things. They care about how it could hurt the image of the show. And so if they can oh, yeah. get rid of the image, if they can scrub that clean, that's all they really need to do. And these things really only affect people when they get into late phases of the game, when you're into the final yeah. rounds of either playoffs or potentially like as Eric uh, Schwer is now a ring winner. He's, I mean, we don't know if he's a ring winner, but like he's the the only choice left for Gabby mm-hmm. Windy. So ostensibly, he will be that. They certainly didn't have that person during Victoria Fuller's tagged photos with the the white Marlin Lives Matter extravaganza. Yeah, yeah and they should have known by then because of what happened with Garrett and his yes. Instagram likes. Right. This has been an ongoing issue for a while, and they're 
always late to plug the holes. But the first person that, that this happened to, I mean, at least the first person that it was like publicly made available was Lee Garrett on Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm. And he mm-hmm. had tweets that he issued, not even retweets or likes, things he was saying that were incredibly problematic. And they brought that into the Mentel All. They made him answer for those tweets live on stage. Many people thought that Lee Garrett was purposely cast as a racist on the season with the first Black Bachelorette, including Rachel Lindsay. She has said that on podcasts and things. So is this, do you guys think, a strategy of the producers still at this point? Or do you think it's an error by them that they wish this wasn't happening? That's a good Mm. question. I... I don't know if it's the kind of attention they want to be getting at this point. Yeah. Um, I think that I I personally felt like the backlash against Lee Garrett was so extreme um, it, that I and, and not even him, but but later against Garrett, that it tarnished one of their their winners and created like a huge headache for them that that my impression was that they had said, oh, well, it's all it's one thing to stir up this drama with one guy with problematic tweets who can be racist on this season and cause some crazy drama. It's another thing to have the person who wins the show looking tarnished. And we've created this mess for ourselves. We need to prevent that from being an issue. So my impression was that they were trying to lock it down, you know, doing these scrubs and trying to prevent it, you know, contaminating their their chosen ones. But it's certainly possible that they feel like all press is good press. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. certainly don't think they were looking for an, another Rachel yeah. Kirkconnell thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't think that they really courted this per se, but I also think that like, we know the type of people that are most likely to get cast hmm. on a reality dating show like this. Uh, people who want to be on a television show about marriage, who are aware of the things that they could get from that kind of exposure. And I think that there is a strong Venn diagram of people with varying kinds of problematic pasts that are going to Mm -hmm. end up in that casting pool. And so even if they're not courting it actively, I think like the machine that the show has Mm -hmm. become does attract a certain pool of people. And then it's just an odds game because if this stuff comes out in late playoffs and this person isn't your ring winner, fine, throw them under the bus, villainize them. The fourth audience, the people at home can hate them and that's even good for the show. As long as the good guy wins in the end, everything's fine. But it's it's turning out that the good guy is almost never winning now. It's always the bad guy. <laughs> and I do wonder if that's part of why the show has really, in my mind, kind of pivoted away from really investing in that like ring winner and the lead and more just like mining the emotional trauma of it all. And like the constant pivot, right? To the next season. Right. Like they're ready to dispense that with that couple as right. soon as they're announced as the winners. Like, move right along. They need to immediately turn our attention to a lead we know very little about and a cast we know (laughs) nothing about because we haven't had an opportunity to become disillusioned with any of them yet. And by the time we know enough about them, they're like, anyway, this season's almost over. Stay tuned for The Bachelor starting soon. Yeah, don't look. Johnny's (laughs) over here. He's in Mexico. (laughs) 
Don't think about that guy. <laughs> well, speaking of how they're now presenting the game and as you're saying, putting virtually no investment into who the next lead is or the ring winner, disowning them almost immediately in, in certain circumstances, at least with like Clayton and Susie, I think it was because they didn't follow the rules of the game as set up by the mm -hmm. producers. So I think there was a little bit of like vindictive retribution by the producers and how they treated them. And obviously how they've treated Clayton this entire season. He's more of a <laughs> fucking character in this season than most of the guys are. But let's start talking about this season. What did you think of Fantasy Suites, which just aired earlier this week in two episodes across Monday and Tuesday? What did you think of breaking up the narrative threads, how they presented it, how they had that forced girl chat at the beginning where they're like literally reading a fucking script about which guys have said which love level? Oh, oh God. God. It was such a it was such a marathon. <laughs> yeah. It was so exhausting. I'm like, which piece do I address <laughs> first? Like, I mean, the girl chat just feels like such a wasted opportunity where they could be they could be working their relationship in more organically. And instead we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen it. And it's delightful. They want they want to have that opportunity to fill in the kind of voiceover work that they would normally be doing while the lead does B-roll of them, like staring at the ocean. Staring over a balcony. Or like walking down <laughs> a beach. And they're like, we'll just have them say it to each other instead. But that's like not how you have a conversation with someone. It doesn't really. You don't just like announce <laughs> your feelings about four <laughs> successive people without giving the other person like a minute to chime in <laughs> until their allotted time. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. This is how all of my hangs with my BFFs go. I go down my roster. I say what love level we're at. No one gives any feedback. And then after 15 minutes, you're like, okay, you, yeah, your turn now. Yeah. Turn. <laughs> I just feel like Fantasy Suites Week, it's hard to believe that it, it was successful in Michelle's season so recently and like nothing went horribly awry because mm. it feels so fraught now. Like they're, there's very little way to get through fantasy suites without some sort of emotional uh, trauma being inflicted on the lead and at least one of the contestants because there is, there's just so much, there's so much more open conversation about what might happen in the fantasy suites. And that brings up a lot of feelings and mm -hmm. temptation to break the format and to be like, if it were really me, you would just not go through with this format. I know what goes on in there. Like, I don't see fantasy suites ever really returning to a regular part of the format in the way that it used to be, the way it's been going the last couple of years. It just gets more and more lumpy and misshapen and messy. Why do you think it's getting messier. I do think that it has to do with how much more openly contestants have started to talk about what happens in fantasy suites. Mm. It never used to get talked about. Like people would have sex with a couple people or one person or no one. Usually it wasn't discussed very much. And when people started to talk about it, it was frowned upon. Yeah. 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 Like you could talk about it if you were saying my faith prevents me from even going to a fantasy suite. But other than that, until really Nick kind of was the first one yeah. to to kind of break that veil of secrecy. Yes. Nick yes. broke our beloved yeah. game. He broke it. I Okay, I'm going to have to step in right there. <laughs> right, first of all, the great one did not break our beloved game. He created a new era of it, potentially. 
But Vial is famous for saying that he only had sex with Vanessa Grimaldi, even though the show promoted the idea that he had sex with all three players, including mm-hmm. Rachel Lindsay, mm-hmm. who has said many times she got drunk she on the plane out. as she flew in because she found out Trump was elected. Donald Trump won. Yeah. Donald Trump won that night. She was not trying to bone. <laughs> like They made Raven do that whole orgasm montage. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Right. Yes. How could any of us forget? But yeah. I would argue that the the reason the fantasy suites round has gotten so insane is actually what they started doing in season 24 with the panic room uh, mm-hmm. where they put all of the mm-hmm. remaining players in the same room to live together, to have them looking eye to eye when they come back from a fantasy suite. That was a level of trauma that the producers are inflicting. Yes. And I think producers trying to escalate the trauma, trying they're they're chasing the dragon of the fence jump moment from season 23 mm-hmm. that they built an entire season to. And the reason the fence jump moment worked, they don't understand why it worked. The current producer class, they believe it worked because it inflicted a trauma on Colton that made him cry and want to flee and everybody was in tears. They think tears is the end game here. It's not. It's mystery. We want to know why he's jumping the fence. That's why that moment worked. What led to this moment? And also that's not a moment that producer intervention can neatly recreate, right? Mm. Because that is that is like the human element of this show. Like he did. And if, if every season ends with all the contestants trying to flee, it's not going to be a mystery anymore. We're right. Like, of course they're all trying to leave. It's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. That works one <laughs> organic time. And then you like can't yeah. just remake that. What about Rated R when he fled through the bushes? <laughs> Do you guys oh, remember yes. this? <laughs> but that did not pack. That did not pack the same emotional punch, Lizzie. <laughs> I think though, like the I think you I can if it. you have talented producers. Like season 24 came along and our fence jump moment was uh sweet numbs, bring her home to us. Again, that had an element of like extreme emotion. She's crying. And it has mystery. Who the fuck is she talking about? Bring who home to us? Mm. What is going on here? And we have to keep watching until the end. But now they've, I think, mistakenly come to understand that those same moments can be replaced with a lead saying, get me out of here, or this is over, or I'm broken. And it's like that we expect you're going to try to destroy everyone emotionally every season. That's just on the table. There's no mystery in that. And so I think, especially for this fantasy suites, not only is there no mystery going in, the way they presented it in the document by having one player do a fantasy suite, then a next, and then two fantasy suites there, and then the other player. And then a trailer for the other fantasy suites Rachel Reckia had already done in the middle of the episode to remind us. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying to build up a certain uh, narrative dramatic structure with the fantasy suites, which is usually like a pretty good fantasy suite and then the next person is having some kind of misgivings about the process and oh that's going to be the wall they have to overcome and then maybe the third player is like i'm definitely not down with you having sex with two other people and so you're you're building in this this arc that just doesn't exist with two leads in the way they presented it because it's like you've got your gabby windy arc building and then it's like forget about that here's rachel Reckia now okay let's build her arc okay now let's go back to gabby's third date and now let's cut that into two episodes and now we're gonna have to give you a literal fucking recap reel (laughs) of rachel reckia's first fantasy suites because you don't fucking remember them i mean it's just a disaster yeah i think that you're right i think that the narrative flow wasn't there and i don't think they figured out how to tell that story cohesively at all and i do think they could have helped themselves by featuring gabby and rachel's relationship in a more organic way more often like having maybe the two of them living together while they're going 
on these fantasy suites and ha- coming back and being like, I don't know what to do. Like, like, you could have tied these two arcs together yeah. and shown us that they're happening in the same world. As far as we're concerned, they exist on two planes. I'm really craving that that Jade and Carly moment where you're mm. like, this was the love story all along. And I'm having that cathartic moment where they come together as two friends who are supporting each other in this nightmare that they live in. And instead, they're just like brought together for this very sterile meeting. And then they don't speak again. They want to separate them so that they're alone and they endure the most trauma and have no support. And But then that's so transparent. Like, good production means that we're not going to see every single machination of it. And instead, Mm. like, all I see is the production. And they're in the house of mirrors and they're being pursued and yeah. Yes. And I think that's where we're at in the vacuum. When Elon Gale, he left after season 23 in that vacuum of power, in this power struggle, you've just got people who all they think, I mean, this is at least what's coming through the document to me when I'm watching it, the current producer class, the only thing they're concerned with is tears and destroying people. And it's like, that's not what we're watching this show for. It never has been. This is escapism. We want to identify Mm -hmm. with the main character. We want to see them going on a fantastical journey that ends happily ever after. That's a a basic component of all stories, you know? And they're not giving that to us ever. The journey is not happy. The ending is not happy. But I will say, there are things about this season (laughs) that I think are incredibly valuable. We will get to some of them later because it is highly experimental. But let's move on and talk about what did you think about the constant shitting on Clayton Eckerd through the entire season. And do you think that Rachel Recchia has avoided doing his exact same behaviors or not as she was uh, fearful of doing? I mean, the Clayton slander is getting to be a bit much. Um, I think that we, we were talking about this a little bit this week, that like one thing that they've started doing in their cycle is turning their lead into a villain and a scapegoat. And instead of their heartbroken but understanding, you know, runner-up becoming the lead and growing Mm -hmm. to a deeper understanding of the person who dumped them by going through the process themselves as a lead. Instead, it's like, well, I could never do this horrible thing that the lead did to me. And then they find themselves in a position where they're like, well, but how do I not do it at all? Like, I have to do it kind of a little bit, but like not the way he did it. But like, it's actually in the moment very slippery and harder than I expected to tell where the line is. Like, I don't think that Rachel has done the same thing as Clayton. She hasn't said, I'm in love with you to more than one person. But she, by going through the format of the show, is doing things that are so similar to that, right? She's making all the men feel like she's falling. Yeah, she's saying, I'm falling in love with you to multiple people. She's making men feel like they're special and that she might choose them. That is what the show is. And it's very hard to like sit there on your mm-hmm. high horse and be like, I would never do what Clayton did, but I am going to do something that feels really similar to those guys and with Zach. not have that blow yeah. up in your face in the end, which it seems like it's about to with Zach. With Shawcross, I don't know. I'm curious to see what that play is, but I agree with you. And I think in, in 26, in Eckerd's season, is where we saw for the very first time the producers going against the premise of the show going against the process where they basically have said, yes, you have to explore all these relationships. That's what this show is. And you're going to fall in love with multiple people, maybe. And you can have sex with multiple people. That's what this show is. But then they vilified him for doing it. 
to me, that was when like really I understood like, oh, these this current producer class does not understand the product they're making. They don't fucking get it. We want the lead to be someone who is amazing. The most eligible person of whatever gender it is. And they're not doing that. They're they're being like, oh, this person is shitty. Oh, the last bachelor was <laughs> shitty. Like it reflects on them when they do this. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, your boyfriend lives in a van down by the oh. river. Dump him and date whatever <laughs> fucking creep we're about to make yeah. the lead. It's like, who probably also literally lives in a fucking van by the river. Like, yeah. Did your boyfriend do blackface <laughs> oh in high school? Oh, oh God. God. Come to abccasting.com and we'll set you up with another one. What? What were your expectations going into the season for the double lead? How have those expectations been fulfilled or not fulfilled? I mean, I knew they would fuck it up in some way. I... <laughs> So I don't, I wouldn't say my expectations were like super high, but I did actually think they were going to lean in more to the fun that can come from having two leads who genuinely like each other. Even if they're not actually best friends, obviously mm -hmm. they're manufacturing that storyline. Like just having two friends of any kind who are there to support each other. I was like, that can actually add some levity to a show that's become so such a fucking bummer. And instead, they seem to like take that note, reassure everyone publicly, like we won't be pitting them against each other. And then turned around and just were like, we're just gonna try just completely isolate them and pretend we're like making two shows, but then be like they're best friends. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. I don't feel like they thought it through properly. And I don't feel like... They didn't think like it through at all. At they didn't all. have a plan. I mean, Jesse's out here every turn being like, I don't know what's happening. I, I'm only hired by this show. Who, who knows? Mm -hmm. He's innocent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I, I always am like struck by every time you see them together, they're always holding hands. And in my mind, I'm just imagining the producer right before they walk into wherever they're being shot, like they're about to walk in and the producer's like, uh, hold on, hands, hands. And they like make <laughs> them hold hands to walk in. You guys covered F-Boy Island, which for me was like, Ugh. have the format right there. Those three women don't even know each other, but they, there is fun in it's them so getting to know each fun. other. We have them looking at a board and discussing all the people Right. I just think they handled that yeah. element of it way better. I would have loved to see the process whereby the women separated the groups for the rose yes. ceremony. And also that actually once they've separated their groups, that actually seems like an even better time to start having group dates because you can focus on the guys who are, you know are there for you without trying to suss out like who's who's actually flirting with my competitor right now. And they they separated them at that point. And you can also like keep an eye, mm -hmm. keep an eye on your friends, guys. Like that is part of the fun. They just took all of the elements of fun and all of the extras that we felt like we were going to get from having two leads and just like did away with them. It's so bizarre. They should be sharing sweets. They should be like yes. hanging out in their PJs being like, oh, my God, that one on one today really did not go the way I expected. <laughs> 
or like this guy really pissed me off and like is making me feel like X, Y, Z. Like, what should I do? Like, I I need more of this. And instead it's like, I have to talk to Gabby. I'm going to walk across the entire cruise ship to the opposite side where they've stowed her away for a special conversation. So that I can talk at her for 10 minutes straight. Yeah. In a scripted manner. Yeah, reading scripts. I mean, like you're saying, I think it would have been fascinating to see them splitting their guys into different groups. The only problem is they didn't make those decisions. That's all producers. Like Gabby and Rachel say, I like these two or three guys. And then the producers do everything else. (laughs) All of the rest of the show, and this is the way it's been for a very long time, is just acting. The lead is acting interested in Meatball, (laughs) for example. I had to let Meatball back in, of course. How dare you? You know, that's the producers are forcing all of this. No, it's pretty clear that Rachel is not actually interested in Meatball. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) She was like, I don't want to have fewer guys than Gabby, so sure. Add him back onto my team. Yes. It's just about math and the producers trying to figure out how we're going to make all this fucking work and how many yeah. guys, does, guys does she need versus her? That was a complete disaster. I totally blame production for that rose ceremony. I do think that, that they would never have shown the whole process, but I think that you could have let us behind mm-hmm. the scenes, much like they did with the board in F-Boy Island. Mm-hmm. We didn't see their whole process of sorting the F-Boys, but you get to see some clips of them discussing their contenders and discussing like who they're sus about and we could have just gotten a little taste of that and then you know production would have done everything else i'm sure but i think there's like there's something about the bachelor specifically in the mm-hmm. i mean now we have however many dating right. shows have spawned because of the bachelor some version of them f boy island being one of them produced by elon gale created by him you have this thing in the bachelor that's like they never let you beyond a certain line It always has to be the lie of these people are just dating. They're just falling in love. It's only about that. So I think even if you were let behind the curtain, like producers would never allow it. They they could have brought back the deliberation room from the early seasons where they looked at the framed photographs of everyone. You mean the funeral parlor? (laughs) Oh my God, I've never heard it referred to it like that. That's so funny. Oh my God. They, I think, I don't know when they got rid of it, but I think they should have brought it back for this season. But I do totally agree with you guys that like they had this this unique opportunity with two leads. I think they completely fumbled it. There, there's so much that they right. could have done that could have been interesting, or at least like take a chance, take a swing on something cool. They didn't. They tried to lock yep. it down and have complete control over everything, just like they always fucking do. Mm-hmm. And it sucked the life out of this season. It just smothered it. Yeah, I think they are doing themselves a disservice. They are not allowing their product to have any breathing room. And that's where the interesting stuff is going to happen. And instead, we're just seeing this like intense formulaic thing play out season after season. And then a Mm -hmm. dose of like very intensely crafted emotional trauma. And you end the season and... You just feel icky every fucking time. Like, that's not why I started watching. Yeah, we we were all super fans. You know, we've been watching for years. We love the show. I do think what you're saying about the breathing room is right, that you have to let things play out. You have to let people perform steals as opposed to like scripting the order that everyone's like that night one when they just had those three quick pops. I was like, okay, so they scripted this. You have to talk to the twins now. Now the magician it feels just so unnatural. Yeah. And they're not giving us the full format. 
They're cutting rose ceremonies yes. out. They're oh, cutting day portions yeah. of group dates out. We don't actually get to see the formula that we like is the game. Right. It's these 30 players come in. They get eliminated in a game of attrition through a series of group dates, one-on-ones that have various uh, roses awarded, safety roses, if you will. And we don't get to see much of that now. In service of what? In service of Billy Eichner getting two segments of a mentel all oh my God. to do a fucking commercial for his movie. I, you know, that type of uh, shit is like, I don't know what's going on financially with The Bachelor, but if they really need money that bad that they're selling out a quarter of the fucking programming time, like, that is not a good sign, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. We have time for Jesse to just stand on a broken down... <laughs> Downstage yes. for five whole minutes. That's because he has to inform us about a national emergency that I'm very concerned about will be happening next week. I mean, I I think I've always said that like the show, people will sometimes complain about episodes being boring or having too much filler. I think that filler is part of the pacing of a story. Like sometimes your brain needs time to like follow the tropes a little bit absorb what's happening process fill out the little the little bits of the picture and instead what we're getting is this overwhelming like frenetic pace of drama and like kabooms and like mess and then instead of just normal filler that that fits into the show and allows your brain to kind of take its bearings we get the fucking filler that's like here's 20 minutes of sponsored content at the mental all and it's like, well, that's not part of the narrative. It's just wasted time. And then the rest of the time, my brain is working overtime to try to figure out like this this absolute like avalanche of dramatic information about what's happening with these two like love stories. It's so exhausting to watch. I mean, follow the friendships, you know, follow a yes, Jojo uh, Fletcher and Becca Tilly like I miss working that. out with wine glasses together, like mansion free play antics, like. There's none of that. We don't feel like we know any of the men. Yeah. So we've explored why this season is bad. Now <laughs> let's explore what are some good things that happened in this season. I think personally, it was obviously historic. First time two leads in America has ever happened. We also saw the first time somebody got COVID maybe in this season. <laughs> I like that you're including that in the good things. <laughs> you're like, that was a great moment. Yeah, it was. It was like a very important moment because COVID has been around for a long time in our beloved game. It derailed production for six months going into Bachelor at 16 Claire Crawley season that led to the fucking Dale Moss effect where he came in and crashed the fucking season after the parasocial relationship developed. You know, we saw very important things because of COVID. Now we're seeing how they handle it when someone gets COVID, which is basically they disappear that person. They disappear them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, other than how they handled Logan's COVID, there are things that are... I, I do... At this point, I think he did. I, I thought maybe he didn't, but now I've heard him on different podcasts and stuff. I think, like, he probably did. Yeah. From everything I've heard, I, I think he just did have COVID. No matter how unbelievable that is, though, because no one else... <laughs> got covid why was that convo so weird i know it was it was just strangely presented but even beyond that we started to see some things in this season of you know splitting the roses up splitting up the the teams of guys how do you handle giving half the screen time to somebody do you think there was anything any lessons that were learned by the producers in this season that will carry forward into future seasons gosh i hope not um <laughs> i mean the COVID thing was interesting because I, I thought that was actually handled so poorly that it because it it kind of puts the lie to the whole 
premise of the show, which is like, well, we decided he was here for the narrative and then he got COVID. So it was inconvenient for him to be here. And so he's gone. And if Gabby like was really interested in potentially marrying him, then why is he just gone with no explanation just because he got like a a virus? Like it, it does seem to expose kind of the fakeness of everything that's happening. And I was like mm-hmm. surprised that they didn't put more effort into papering massaging, over that. Yeah, like massaging right. the narrative just a little like, bit. Well, he can't play the game anymore. Like he's sick. So we sent him back to the hotel. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons... They've earned the skin safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues, Mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. um, Because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. 
You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color. And the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite, which is kind of like a blue green. And they're both so comfortable. It's basically like you are wearing nothing. Great for free spirit types. Well, for all the free spirits out there right now, you can shop the Skims t-shirt shop at skims.com. Now available in sizes XXS through 4X. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. I mean, in terms of how they've split up the groups, um, I just wasn't really a fan of how they handled the whole thing. I think that like there was no thought put into like how will the men kind of have an opportunity to indicate to the women which one they're kind of choosing to pursue um, how will they work with those two groups once they have kind of chosen sides or was the idea to perhaps let them date both women to the end? It seems unlikely. I, I would hope if they did it again, they would come up with more of a template. <laughs> yeah. Plan a week. Like this is your all legs, one basket week. You right. have right. these two weeks to pick and then everyone is aware of it and everyone can start to plan their all legs, one basket strategies. I feel like that so much of the early season was just people shitting on the bachelorettes being like, well, I'm actually into Gabby. Well, I'm actually into Rachel. And it's like just trying to make them have emotional trauma even earlier in the season. Right. That that seemed to be the only thing that they did with that. And it feels like they could have come up with some more creative ways to play around with having two groups of people or two love stories going on at the same time. Like, Personally, I'm a f- fan of having multiple narratives or or having two different kind of like archetypes of romantic leads that you can, that the audience can connect to. Like, I think that in theory could actually be really fun. Um, you know, uh, something that I like about Paradise is that there are different threads to follow, but you have to do that well. You have to tell the two stories skillfully. And I feel like they didn't do that at all. One thing I would love for them to do more is the double date format, like the one they had in Paris where they yes. started and ended the date together. Loved that. And mm-hmm. so you did get to see, I mean, we have the group dates, but how often do you see people on a in a double date format on this franchise, which is actually a way that you might date in the real world and it brings out a, a very mm-hmm. like natural mm-hmm. human interaction style that was really fun to watch. And also a way to just, yeah, get more personality yeah. from the people who are featured on the date and see the way they interact with other people who aren't just the person they're in this one very spe- specific romantic power dynamic with. Like, again, I just, I think that they need to look for the levity within the game and that they have completely lost sight of. And I think that there was a lot of potential and is future potential if they decide to do two leads again to find that within this kind of format but they just like really drop the ball they will never do two leads again (laughs) that's uh guaranteed (laughs) 
I do think that the two leads kind of hurts the format because you're automatically pitting them against each other. Neither of them seemed very special or seemed to have that much power. And like, that's one of the nice things about Bachelorette. Is yeah. It's like, oh, now the woman has power and she gets to pick. Well, I want to see them do it with two men yeah. because I think it would have been more satisfying to see the power of two men undermined. Yes. I like what you're saying about differentiating them and not like one is worse or one is better, but like Rachel Recchia, they could have positioned her as the one who's like really sincere right. and looking for that overly romantic love story and really hit that. And Gabby is looking for someone more lighthearted and fun as a best friend partner. She's a little older. She has a different idea of what she wants from a partner. Like they just, they could have used it. They could have used these things to their advantage. And instead they were just like, how do we do the exact thing we've always done? Yes. But two. I think they were really nervous about, because we've all seen the Caitlin Bristow premiere and there was so Mm -hmm. much Madonna whore going on in the way that they differentiated them. They're like, one of them Mm -hmm. is sexy and fun and the other one is sweet and wants to get married and I, I they there was pushback about that and mm. certainly now the discourse has turned against that that in the end they just wanted to be like look at these two women they're both perfect but different in ways that we aren't going to get into too much they're different and both uniquely perfect and <laughs> that was better than pitting them so obviously against each other but not very compelling. It was better than what they did with mm-hmm. Caitlyn and Britt. Yeah, because that was like beyond terrible. I feel like we got a Caitlyn Britt bad episode. I feel like we had that for the first like four episodes of this season. I felt the same way. It was like less severe. Oh my God. Have you rewatched that episode recently? No, it is I absolutely haven't. shocking. Yeah, we rewatched <laughs> it just before and it was like, wow, it was truly alarming (laughs) so in this presentation of the two leads as separate but equally perfect leads do you believe that still is happening as we now just get news today that gabby windy is going to be appearing on disney owned abc streamed dancing with the stars along with a whole slew of other guest celebrities we've got uh, Real Housewives of New Jersey, Teresa Giudici, we got Wayne Brady, Selma Blair, Judice. Schwarzenegger, Judice, sorry, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. Uh, we got Jersey Shore what? people, all kinds of people, including Charlie D'Amelio is going to be on it this season. So Gabby Windy gets that gift from ABC Disney. Rachel Recchia yeah. does not. I don't know if they offered it to her and she said no, or if it was never offered. I don't know. But we now see clear favoritism uh, from the company that is part of producing the show for Gabby Wendy. So is it really an equal presentation? I mean, yeah, that's that's a good question. I would say that Gabby definitely seems more like she's in a position to go on Dancing with the Stars because she is already like a professional dancer. And Rachel is supposed to be very focused on her career of being a pilot. And mm. perhaps that was that was their their opportunity to kind of differentiate between them. I'm not sure if Rachel would have wanted to do it. But at the same time, that's historically been an issue, right? That they don't offer it to every lead. And Caitlin Bristow for many years was furious that she was not invited mm-hmm. to be on Dancing with the Stars. So it certainly is a gift that they that they gave to only Gabby. 
I suppose they they didn't want to have them both, but couldn't they? I mean, there's usually only one bachelor. Yeah, there's a hundred people on that show. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Have two bachelorettes <laughs> yeah. on it. No one gives a shit. It would have been fine. I do think they saw the way that the the audience responded to Gabby. And I think that they felt like perhaps she was the more, the more. She has the most Instagram followers. Exactly. Yeah. This all was just an extended audition for who was going to get to fill out the Dancing with the Stars cast. I mean, that's a better gig than Bachelor. <laughs> Could Jason Lewis not have been dropped mm. for Rachel Recchia? Probably. You know what I mean? I would have loved to see them both. Absolutely. I think we all would. But let's talk about now the the next element of this, which is social media. Social media is tanking across the board for all of these players. You've only got two players above 50K in Eric Schwer and Nate Mitchell. And then if we look at the leads, by this point in at least kind of recently traditional seasons, your lead is like closing in on a million, if not already crossed it. Here... Now we've got Gabby Wendy at 753K and Rachel Reckia is not even at 500K yet, 459K. So I don't think she's got a chance at hitting a million. Gabby Wendy might after Dancing with the Stars if she has a good uh, performance there. What do you guys attribute this, this, I don't even know what to call it, this slump in, in social media, at least where Instagram is concerned? I mean, I think part of it is just that Instagram is getting to be like the older people's platform and it's not yeah. as popular. And a lot of the audience is starting to split between TikTok and Instagram and people are moving their talents over to TikTok predominantly, especially <laughs> the younger players. Mm -hmm. So I do think that part of that is just on Instagram. Like, do you, th I mean, I agree with you. I think Instagram is, it's starting to wane a little bit. But even the TikTok numbers are abysmal for all these yeah. players as well. Well, I also just think that there are more reality dating offerings now that are reaching a wider range of people and potentially appealing to a wider range of people. Like we obviously saw that the the Love is Blind cast members tend to still do significantly better on Instagram than Bachelor now. Um, and they have international reach like as part of Netflix. And also, I think it just feels fresher. Some of these newer shows do feel, mm. do just what feel. What do you mean? <laughs> Bachelor is a fresh, fresh baby. What could be more, <laughs> more fresh than a hetero Christian marriage show? And there's so much Bachelor. We are just getting flooded with new Bachelor contestants every year. Like, it's constantly on the air now. And... This whole season, you know, we had two bachelorettes like competing for for that attention in the public's eye. I do think that when there's just one person you're really interested in rather than two people that yeah. you're sort of, yeah. sort of interested in, you're more likely to follow. The cast of Love right. is Blind is not that big. There are a few standout people. You go ahead and follow them. I also think that like the what leads to success on The Bachelor is more compatible with the kind of old school Instagram yeah. influencer mm. than TikTok. And the newer dating shows are capturing that TikTok sort of aesthetic and energy better, which is like not so sincere, looking perfect, aspirational in this very kind of old fashioned conservative way. I want her life. I want babies as cute as her babies. Um, it's this person is funny and quippy and 
irreverent and wears bikini tops <laughs> tied in all kinds of confusing ways. Like that's TikTok. That's that's too hot to handle. That's not The Bachelor. But I think it's interesting because like <laughs> Maddie Pruitt, for example, we yeah. see like I she's killing it on TikTok. And that's because she has tapped into like televangelist mm-hmm. TikTok. So if you, I do think there is like this niche of uh, evangelical Christian social media that you could still launch yourself from The Bachelor right into. Oh, totally. But she also has now a <laughs> yeah. billion dollars behind her. I mean, we've talked about this on our show uh, at length. But she was already the TikTok leader before she ever even met. <laughs> that two million TikTok, if not, maybe she's even surpassed that. But I mean, I think she is going to be the most significant player who's ever come out of The Bachelor. Once she gets infused with the billion dollars to start her ministry, she's going to become... Young Tammy Faye. Way bigger than Tammy Faye. She's going to be like Oprah and Joel Osteen rolled into one person. It's terrifying. It's truly terrifying. She's going to control most media on planet Earth, I think, within 10 years. (laughs) I think also everyone had half the screen time, basically. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's part of it, too. Fewer followers. I think Gabby and Rachel took from each other's followers. Either of them, I think, would be higher if they were the single lead. But yeah, I Bachelor Nation needs to they need to adapt to TikTok, I think. And, you know, make it more appealing for people to, to go on the show. There's nothing that appealing if you're only getting sub 50K and all of your high school yearbooks will be made public. <laughs> like <laughs> people comb through that shit more than I think they don't do that on Love is Blind or that their fan base is F Boy Island. Like if you tried to be like an F boy on F Boy Island, like cheated on someone. Like who who yeah. would care? Yeah, no one this no one's interested. I was listening to uh Nato Lukoya on uh, the Vial Files. Mm-hmm earlier and he was talking about how he got talked into going on the show and like his mom and his stepdad like his friends everyone's like well what's the worst that could happen i was like nate look it up a lot of bad shit can happen and like what's the best that can happen like maybe you're you have a larger platform you're a more successful influencer but like there's actually a huge downside in terms of your mental health and your reputation to consider yeah. I think people are starting to consider that. Yes, I agree with what you're saying, Lizzie. Everybody got half the screen time, so it's going to be harder to accrue a big social media following. But if you're a good fucking player, you can do it. Plenty of people have done it in the past few seasons. You see a bunch of million <laughs> follower counts coming out with you know Katie Thurston on. There, there were a bunch of people who still did it because they're good at fucking social media. And that is what all reality TV is. It is an opportunity to grow your social media, whether it's Bachelor or Mm -hmm. F-Boy Island, whatever you want to talk about. Like I I think that we're seeing not only a degradation of the producer tier, but of the players. These This crop of players is fucking not strong, in my opinion. I think they should cast more people like Katie Thurston. I I mean, she is good at TikTok. She is good at social media and staying in the, she's in the news every week because she oh, hasn't God. been on the show for seasons for my mental health i need them to not cast more people like <laughs> it's coming i mean there are there's something like that the bachelor has always had which is this aversion to social media they see it as uh, mm-hmm. a 
competitive kind of arena with what they're trying to do a loss of control where the players are now being able to make money outside the control of the producers they have to forget about this they have to fully fucking embrace it and they need people you want people coming into your show who have a million tiktok followers you don't want people coming in that have like a thousand and i know that there's this idea that if you have social media you're for twr for the wrong reasons that is not the fucking case. Social media is how we all live. It is the primary way we communicate. You want people who have massive followings already coming in. Right. This isn't 2012. Yeah. Like, it's just, this isn't, they got, they have, they're late to the game at this point. If there's someone who can leverage this platform into a million followers, then they probably mm, yes. have already found a way to leverage their hotness <laughs> into at least a moderate following. <laughs> I would have, at this point, if I was a a casting producer or if I'm anybody making the decision about who's getting on this show, you have to have 100K on some social media platform before we even look at you. But how did they convince those people to go on the show then? They only have things to risk. No. If you got 100K, you don't want a million. Yes, you do. And this will give it to you if you are good at the game. There are so many ways to fuck it up. It's just so counter to the Bachelor brand, which is like, these are just regular regular but also the most the best regular person you've ever the hottest nicest regular person you've ever met who's just like who me on national television but yes i would be the best husband ever and so for them to already have a bunch of social media followers just isn't compatible with their brand i feel like that would be like a huge pivot for them in terms of what they're selling and it's one they need to make I think they have to because that the old brand is dead. No one gives a fuck. That's what we're seeing in all this, you know? I think, though, that they haven't figured out a way to make that shift and still figure out, like, what would be consistent about their product. And, like, what would set it apart from all of the fun new shows? Right. What what would set it apart from, from anything else? <laughs> like, this, this is a marriage show. It's not. It's a game. I agree, in part, but I think that what they are promoting is very tied up with the idea that like the prize, presumably, even though we know that is not the actual case, is this vision of heterosexual marriage. And I think it's really hard for them to to step away from that. And it would require more creativity than I think we've seen in the production of the show. Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever. Unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince 
Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash roses. We're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer. It's a great time of year. It's a time for renewal. For me, that means reconnecting with friends and family I haven't seen for a while. And when I do, I want to make sure I have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with. That's why First Leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough, not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's gonna use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, you hire only evangelical Christians who are waiting till marriage for sex. I mean, that was what they were doing for a while. No, it's true. Let's move on. I'm curious to to know what you guys think about the official Bachelor Nation podcast and the era that we're in, which Lizzie and I have dubbed the Sauce Wars. Because we know Grocery Store Joe sells his tomato sauce. And to us, that has become a metaphor for the lies of the show that get then get perpetuated and reinforced through the official Bachelor Nation podcast owned by Warner Brothers. We're talking about Happy Hour. We're talking about Clickbait. We're talking about Talking Doubt. All those podcasts get marching orders from the producers. So when they have somebody gets kicked off the show and they come into the show, whatever the lie about that person is and why they got kicked off, that is upheld through the show. But every once in a while, you get these little cracks where Grocery Store Joe will say something and you're like, oh, this motherfucker's spilling some tea now. They like can't help themselves almost to let us see through the veneer of the show is only about finding love and all of this is real. 
So I'm curious where your heads are at with the the contemporary state of just the Bachelor Nation podcast world. You guys have a very successful one. You're commenting uh, weekly on everything that's going on in this world. You have tabs on it. What do you think about what we see as the growing division between podcasts that try to reveal the truth, like ours, like yours, and these Bachelor Nation podcasts that bury the fucking truth under tons of sauce? I think they are fundamentally different products. Like you're just going, your commentary cannot be the same when your product is owned by the company that produces the show you're commenting on. Like that's not going to be the same kind of commentary and analysis as a show that is not at all beholden to to those like powers. So it's just, I understand though, like it makes sense to me why Warner Brothers would see this ecosystem doing so well and say like we want to cash in on that like it's an they as you have said throughout this whole chat like their number one goal is to control the narrative and to control all of the players and this is just another way that they can do that they only can be guests on certain shows that kind of thing exactly exactly like they used to have to rely at least in part on independent media sources to kind of get press for the people that were coming off the show. And now they can funnel them straight to properties that they own. Yeah, they saw this whole ecosystem spring up of fandom-driven podcasts and blogs and social media accounts. And they saw that that kept people engaged and thinking about their product all year, all the time, every day of the week. <laughs> and they were like, but this would be so much better if they never said anything we didn't like. And so what if we just launched like three or four of our own? And it's smart. It's vertical integration. But personally, I'm, I think this maybe this makes me like a bad Bachelor podcaster. I don't listen to any of the ABC podcasts. Like I don't either. I don't listen to any Bachelor podcast because I don't want to taint. Yeah. It's also just like too, <laughs> too much. I mean, honestly, I find them really boring. Like they don't, they don't have anything counter narrative or interesting to say. Right. If the narrative's being controlled, then like, what are you really like? Occasionally, yes, you will get a nugget that is interesting or revealing yeah. in some capacity. It's also like, The hosts are not professional interviewers. How dare you? (laughs) Grocery store Joe has been doing interviews now for a few years and he's gotten very good. No, look, I agree with you on all these things, obviously. But for me, those podcasts are very similar to watching the show. It's like this is the official document Mm -hmm. that Warner Mm -hmm. Brothers is putting forth. And yes, it's very polished and it's hard to see the truth behind it. But you can see it. If you look close <laughs> enough, you can you see it. You speed, you'll hear the truth. It's in the background. Listen to every little micro nuance. But uh, no, I mean, for me, it's it's like an interesting piece of it. I don't consider the podcast to be separate from the show at all, really. They're just these weird extensions of it. I'm just resentful. It's like kicking the rose ceremony to digital. It's like now I have to, I've already spent four hours this week. Right watching the show. Now I have to go to abc.com and see if you have this clip there. And then I have to go listen to like seven hours of podcasts (laughs) where you reinforce the same line. And like, how much of my week are you going to (laughs) colonize? Like, I got to do other stuff at some point. (laughs) As much as possible. (laughs) They want me to never stop consuming the show. Yeah. This is like the fandom of any other (sighs) sport. 
I mean, ESPN runs 24 hours a day with new news about all the sports that are out there. And there's a million podcasts and there's a million websites. The Bachelor is no different. It's it's just like one of those to me. But I, I do think that we are getting to a point where there are more and more podcasts like ours, collectively, yeah. I mean, that are talking about the truth behind it and shit. I don't think the official podcasts are going to be able to hold up under the weight of it eventually. No, I mean, when they're really blatantly going against what most people in the audience and the independent media sphere are seeing and reacting to, they just, I mean, there's no, it's hollow and and it's not convincing. No one, no one is, is being won over by a grocery store, Joe, you know, trying to convince us of something that we all saw with our own eyes, like, isn't really what happened. And it does, I do think it damages their credibility, like even to people who aren't maybe thinking too hard about like, oh, this is an official product. It's like, he's asking me to kind of believe something that's obviously ridiculous. Come on. (laughs) This show's about falling in love. Nothing else. You come in, you be open, you fall in love. And then maybe you get a Maybelline commercial with your fiance, (laughs) Serena. Get ready for a little revolve. Quickly, baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. He said on the last one. I love his accent. Oh, Joe is like the ultimate guy who read that, who wrote the impression that he was too normal to care about having a social media platform into Bachelor fame and glory. Into a million Instagram followers, yeah. He is like the the ultimate Bachelor contestant. He's the greatest night one player in history. He's the success story that every player looks to. But he got that by everyone looking at him and being like, he do- he's just a regular guy who works at a grocery store. He doesn't care about clout. Let's give him lots of clout. But he got that because of social media. It, it was social media that that gave birth to him. He was a night one guy. And then Twitter was like, oh my God, he's so good looking or whatever. And immediately he was like, back to the mental all. He was the star of the mental all. Then he's on Paradise. Now he's an official Bachelor Nation podcast host. He's selling his sauce. I mean... That guy, in my opinion, has done basically an impossible run through our game. No collateral damage. Nothing bad about him ever because he wasn't in the game at all. (laughs) I also am amazed when I look at, you know, Bachelor Nation. Sure, the ratings are going down. The social media followings are going down. But all of the top TV and film podcasts are always Bachelor podcasts. Like the fandom is so intense for this show in a way that, you don't see a hundred podcasts about Love is Blind. Maybe there no. are, but certainly not as many. It's yeah. the NFL of the dating genre, right? in my opinion. Like yeah. there will always be other little ones here and there, and they may even have some people popping off on social media in a bigger way. But like, I don't think The Bachelor's ever going away. And so when we talk about how the show has gotten to a point where it's hard to watch and it's not as fun as it used to be, we're just in a, a dark period of it. It will rise again. It will find its way. They're going to get new producers in there. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's what happens in all sports. You go through these eras where it's like the the teams are all kind of shitty and like the superstar players numbers are way lower than superstar players numbers of like five years ago. But then you get like Michael Jordan comes into basketball and it's like, oh my God, this is a new game. Here's a player who's redefining what this shit even is. We will start. And that's like Madison Pruitt. We need our steroids era. <laughs> we need our steroids era. Figure it out. I don't know what that is. How that exactly equates, but 
Or they'll like change a rule. Like you can like take like seven steps mm-hmm. before your layup now or something. And they're like, that, that really opens things up <laughs> They've for us. never had that rule in basketball, but yes, <laughs> I get what you're saying. They amazing. take more than they used to, I'm telling you. This season, no dribbling. <laughs> Who would be both of your ideal next bachelor oh god i always hate picking bachelors the options are so grim out of anyone in the world leonardo dicaprio single oh leonardo dicaprio oh does not does not need to be dating anyone right now he needs to be in therapy you make all the players 25 and older (laughs) (laughs) i mean i would i would support it if it was like exclusively a 35 plus season yeah. with Leo yes. as the lead. <laughs> he just walks yeah. out on night one. He's self Yeah, he'd be like, I'm done. <laughs> we find out this is actually the senior bachelor. It's finally happening. Yeah. We did it for you, Leo. Actually, yeah, I would definitely watch that. <laughs> I would be down. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you have a dream bachelorette then? Honestly, I, I Gab, Gabby was my pick and I, I would wish more space for a, a full Gabby season, but I felt robbed of a full Gabby season as well. Like her energy is what I create. Again, I just want, I just want someone to be funny. Yeah. Her rolling on the floor with that dog. I, I just love her. Would you watch a, a, ba- a Gabby Wendy season right now? Let's say they make her bachelor next. Would you watch that season? No. That's what I'm saying. I mean, yes. Cause this is my I mean, job. Yeah. No, it's too late. They, they gave her the half season. I, I wish I wish that she had 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 a full season. Not that I don't think Rachel um, is lovely, but it is true. They're sharing time. Like if you want if your pick is Gabby on some level, you've got to be wishing for Gabby to have a whole season to herself. Um, I, I have to say, like, because of how these seasons always go, it's hard for me to ever wish anyone into that role anymore. I know. Mm-hmm. It's such like a point of trauma. It's hard to get enthusiastic about someone because they always turn out to be like a Nazi <laughs> or they're not a Nazi, but like they go through intense emotional pain yeah. and you're like, I don't want to see this nice person go through this. So I I now I almost like see the reveal like through my fingers. I'm like, who are they going to do this to? Yeah, I'm like terrified. I'm like, who are they? Who, who's going to get destroyed? So yeah, I guess Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. They're either a Nazi or if not a Nazi, they've liked a bunch of oh, Nazi God. posts. Yeah, which is totally different oh, and like not God. a big deal at all. <laughs> Less severe Nazi. But uh, what do you guys... Let me hmm. throw out one name for you. Peter Krause. I mean... I did really want Peter Krause at the time. I've moved on, I think. I've moved on from Mm -hmm. him, too. Like, I don't think about him anymore. I'm like, eh. Yeah, I never think about Peter. Okay. He was was pretty. Do you think about Peter? I think it's going to be Peter Krause. I've been predicting this for months. He's been thinking about Peter a lot. Really? I mean... I mean, there are two moves with The Bachelor lately have been deep into the past... From the future, almost, with Matt James. From a future cast. <laughs> from the future. Because <laughs> he, he was supposed to be on a season that hadn't taped yet. Or, or, or just, like, some forgettable guy. So Peter would fit with their pattern of, of going back into the past. We haven't had one since Ari, I guess. It's time. Yeah. I would say Tyler Cameron would definitely get a lot more enthusiasm. I don't see why he would do it. At right. this point, he's he's doing well for himself. Yeah, I don't think he needs to, but... He's good at staying in the news cycle. But what if they pay him that Billy Eichner <laughs> money? 
I mean, if they pay him a lot, they're fundraising for Tyler by by selling yeah. it, <laughs> selling their segments. That's the true backstory of that commercial. We have to pay Tyler. Fake <laughs> sale for Tyler. <laughs> I don't know the the way that like someone like Tyler is very good at staying in the news cycle. Shows that he's, I think, very good at the game we've been discussing, but... It doesn't make him appealing to me personally. <laughs> on the note of, like, the most appealing Bachelor, the the most desirable Bachelor, it actually kind of works against that. I'm like, Tyler, control yourself. I'm just, like, seeing too much of him. We read his book. Yeah. That oh, didn't wow. make me want to hear <laughs> yeah. more from him, to be honest. Wow. That's deep in it. <laughs> His book was anti-advertising for his personal brand. It truly was. <laughs> like, he needed a much better ghostwriter. How dare you? I don't know. He's a novelist. <laughs> we cannot thank you both for joining us enough to have this very important conversation about the state of where our game is and what is going on with everything and what we're looking forward to. Paradise is coming up. Do you guys have any any thoughts on that? Are you looking forward to anything? Any specific players? I oh. am actually looking forward to Johnny's arc uh, and him just, uh, I suspect, revisiting whether he's ready for an engagement. Interesting. I honestly, when I think about Paradise, my head just like fills with buzzing. Like that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> with this like, show right it now. blacks out. <laughs> She's like, oh no. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I do feel like overwhelmed by how many seasons and contestants there are lately, but I guess I am curious to see if any of the villains from this past couple seasons get a big redemption arc. Like, can Hayden be mm-hmm. saved? No. I don't think so. Logan, maybe. Logan, maybe. Because he wasn't even quite a villain. It looks like they're trying to save Logan. Yeah, I could see. I could see it with Logan. I'd throw Logan a life raft. Hayden, I'm going to leave in the Gulf. Exactly. I'm always curious, for, more, more curious almost for the redemption arcs than for the actual engagements. You want a Shanae engagement? Oh, no. Shanae oh. is a big one. Is Shanae yeah. going to get a redemption arc? I'm actually very curious to see what they do with Shanae. I'm terrified for Lace Morris. I just... Lace! I'm very nervous. I'm very oh. nervous. I suspect it's going to be very painful. I do too. I don't think she understands the modern game. But yeah. maybe she will. Maybe she'll get in there and be like, no, let me show you how it's really done. We'll you guys see. don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I have a sneaking feeling. That, <laughs> More tattoo play. Yeah, she's going to get another tattoo. We haven't had that in a while. We need, come on, we need that again. Bring a tattoo artist in. But yeah, that wraps up our conversation. Again, thank you so much for joining us, Emma and Claire. Please, yeah. everybody go listen delight. to the Love to See It podcast. Again, Webby-nominated podcast, I should say. Sorry about that. Thank you. That's very important to us. And <laughs> Our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. Where can people find you? What are your socials? Um, you can find the pod on Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod and on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod. And you can find me on various social media at Emma Lady Rose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon on the socials. I have made like one TikTok if you guys want to check that out. I think it was about the courtship. <laughs> Remember the courtship? Oh. Yeah. So that's me. I will check it out. <laughs> yep. All right. 
Thank you for having us. This was so fun. Thanks. This was so fun. No, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then 